Star Wars 7x7 episode 2722. So in The Empire Strikes Back, we know that Boba Fett, along with five other bounty hunters, are called to the Star Destroyer Executor to meet with Darth Vader. But what happens before and immediately after that meeting? Well, some very nostalgic stuff, as it turns out. Punch it. Hey Rebel Razor, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So back in 2020, Del Rey came out with, from a certain point of view, for The Empire Strikes Back. This is a sequel to the one for A New Hope. It is a collection of 40 short stories to honor the 40th anniversary of the original release of The Empire Strikes Back in theaters. And today we're going to talk about two of the stories that are in there. One of them is called Wait For It by Zoraida Cordova. And the other is Standard Imperial Procedure by Sarwat Chada. So we'll start with Wait For It by Zoraida Cordova. And that particular story is told third-person omniscient from Boba Fett's point of view, as opposed to the A New Hope story in which he appeared, where that one's told first-person. Just, you know, interesting fact, doesn't necessarily mean anything one way or the other. And in the story, we find out that Boba had been on a job for Jabba the Hutt when he got the call from Vader, which he describes as being more like an order. And so the job that he was working on, he kicked it over to a rookie to take care of, but ultimately he gets a little bitter and sour about it because of all the waiting that he has to go through to actually get to the meeting with Vader and thinks to himself that he could have caught the bounty and been able to down a drink at the cantina on Tatooine and still had time to make the actual meeting. Yeah, probably not, but <laughs> you know how this goes. And he reflects back on his last job with Darth Vader. So it turns out the story that we talked about in the Star Wars and Darth Vader comics just a couple of days ago, where Boba Fett had been tasked with finding out the identity of the pilot who blew up the Death Star, that's the last time he worked with Vader. And Boba Fett thinks that being able to at least deliver a name kept him in Vader's good graces for a couple of years. It says he bought, he bought himself a couple of years by being able to at least give Vader that much and that he, he'd heard what happened to people who were disappointed by Vader and obviously that didn't work well so here we are he has been asked <laughs> voluntold if you will to show up for this meeting and now that we have more of Boba Fett's backstory one of the things that may enhance your viewing of the Empire Strikes Back is the fact that Bosk and Dengar are longtime associates of Boba Fett and they in fact work together in that old syndicate Crate's Claw you remember that one that we talked about a while back and there's a moment after the meeting where Bosk and Dengar and Boba are hanging out in the docking bay on the Executor and they're talking about past history and you know one of them suggests that hey maybe Kraid's Claw could work together again and Bosk says no Boba Fett works alone and Boba says can you blame me after the Corellian job and we don't know what the Corellian job is but apparently it's a very bad memory for all involved it's not the only job that went south according to Boba but I guess 
guess it's the one that broke Crate's Claw for good. But Bosk does say that, hey, you know, we had some good runs. And from Boba's narrative perspective, he does agree that there were times when they actually did very well together and that they were working well. But he ultimately believes that Dengar and Bosk are still looking at Boba Fett as the kid that they were working with a couple of decades ago and not seeing him for who he really is. And he reflects on his experiences over the last 20 years arriving at the result that basically he and Vader are not all that different. Like when they're in the meeting together, he recognizes the rage inside Darth Vader and realizes, although he doesn't necessarily connect it in the story itself, but basically the parallel is there that he just has nursed his anger, has kept it stoked and fired up and treats every bounty as the one that got away, which is the Jedi who killed his father. And so he uses that to stay angry and uses that anger to motivate him to go after his marks and make him the best bounty hunter that he can possibly be. So because of that anger and that resentment and that idea that he can only trust himself, he only wants to rely upon himself, he starts to get an inkling about what Solo's deal is because he knows it's about the Millennium Falcon at this point. And he says, hey, yeah, maybe Crate's Claw can ride again. I've tried to catch Solo and it hasn't worked out. So yeah, maybe the three of us can work together. And he says, I got an idea. Let me send you coordinates. And so he sends coordinates to Bosk and to Dengar. And he programs what he calls dummy coordinates into his own ship. And they all take off. And so you get the idea that Bosk and Dengar think, all right, the three of us are going to work on this together. And it's going to be like old times. And maybe this will work out. But of course, Boba has something else in mind. And so what he does is he jumps to the other side of the asteroid field where the Star Destroyer Avenger is because they've just overheard the conversation about Captain Nita getting force choked to death and <laughs> how traumatic that is for all the Imperials that are on the ship. I mean, Boba has a moment where he's watching all the Imperials running around and thinks to himself that, yeah, maybe they would be more efficient if they weren't just running on fear, but you know, that's not his problem. But the insight Boba has is that Han Solo is not going to put the Millennium Falcon at risk. Like, he cares for the ship too much. And so when faced with you know, fighting Star Destroyers, he's going to find a way to avoid the situation, to live another day, basically. And so he decides to go over to where the Avenger is and investigate because he figures Solo has to be around there somewhere. He couldn't have just blasted himself out to hyperspace because if he could have done that, he would have already done that. And that's where standard Imperial procedure kicks in. The story more or less picks up right where Wait For It leaves off. And we find out that Boba Fett essentially faked a coolant leak and a life support systems malfunction in order to get the Avenger to pick the fire spray up, Slave One up, and put it in the docking bay. But then he just up and disappears. And so his coolant leaking ship is sitting in the middle of the docking bay, which is super annoying to the deck officer who's there. And they're getting ready to jump to hyperspace and there are all these things that they have to do procedurally in order to get ready for it. And having this 
thing on the docking bay floor, which seems to be broken, and the pilot is nowhere to be found. They're basically like, get rid of it. It's trash, get rid of it. And so that's when a waste control officer gets involved in the whole situation. And this particular story is told from that person's point of view. And so he has Boba's ship towed away to be stashed with all the other garbage that's gonna get dumped before they jump to hyperspace. And so there's a whole big checklist that they go through procedurally before they jump and before they release all the garbage out. So the guy's going through his checklist and one of the things involves the cameras on the outside of the ship nearby where the garbage chute is. And he sees the Millennium Falcon on there. He actually sees it clamped on there and is thinking to himself, what am I gonna do about this? And it turns out that Boba Fett hasn't disappeared. After all, Boba Fett sees the guy and is like, oh yeah, so you spotted it too, huh? And the guy is like, yeah, hey, you know what, I should be reporting this up to the chain of command, but I'll make you a deal. Instead, let's split the bounty because, of course, they know from all sorts of Imperial broadcasts and whatnot that there are huge bounties on Han and on Chewie, on the Falcon, on Princess Leia, all that fun stuff. But from here it gets tragic because Boba says something to trick the guy, and when the guy is distracted, Boba chokes him out and he doesn't wake up until he is locked inside another ship that's gonna get dumped out with the garbage and there's no way to communicate. Boba has locked the doors of this thing so he can't get out and so he tumbles away without any life support systems and is in the rest of the garbage and so he unfortunately dies as a result of Boba Fett's interference in this situation. And Boba, of course, tumbles out with the rest of the garbage. Slave One tumbles out with the rest of the garbage and of course it's working just fine. <laughs> it's just a ruse basically to have gotten his ship brought over to all the garbage. So there you go. That's the story of how Boba Fett came to be involved in the hunt for Han Solo and how he managed to pull off finding Solo and swindling Dengar and Bosk in the process. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. By seven is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox, and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited, other respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. You've always had what it takes to make it happen, and we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program so you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef.